0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be looking into the servant of Jehovah, and we'll be in Isaiah chapters 52 through 54. I know we'll be in chapters 52 and 53. If we have time, we'll get into chapter 54 also. But let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the Word of God. Amen. Father, we bless you. We thank you, Father. Help us today, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit and we'll give you praise, honor and glory in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. There's a new day coming for the nation of Israel. Right now, Israel is in turmoil. She's been in turmoil ever since she became a nation back in 1948. Uh, People hate her just because they're Jews. Not because they've done evil, not because that uh, they haven't uh, reached out to their neighbors and loved them, but just because they're Jews. And those that are harming Israel, those that are touching Israel are touching the apple of God's eye. The nation of Israel, they've been hated. They've been despised by most of the world. But if we study the history of the nation of Israel, we can see that every Person, every nation, every empire that reached out and stretched out their hands to Israel to harm her. They're all gone. They're all in the dust. We only have ruins and artifacts left of their once great empires. But where is Israel today? Israel is in its own land. Israel is the greatest uh, nation in the Middle East. And that's because Israel has a future. Empires don't have a future. Nations, some nations have a future, but most do not. And so it is true that Jerusalem is the place where empires and where peoples that come stretch out their hands against Israel is where they go to die. And that's because God is in the midst of her. He is the reason why Israel was scattered because of their unbelief. But for 1900 years, think about this. But for 1900 years, for a nation scattered like the nation of Israel was to be gathered again back into their homeland, not some land, their homeland, the land that they have claimed for thousands of years. What other nation has done that? None. God working in the midst of Israel will keep his promises to Israel. And I hope we remember that. And the Lord keeps fulfilling Israel's right to the land and to Jerusalem. I feel sorry for the nations and the peoples that kick against God's uh, purpose for the nation of Israel. They don't realize it. I mean, that's what, that's what Jesus said to Saul. He says, you're kicking against the pricks. You're kicking at the church, but you're hurting yourself. And that is so true. And the purpose and the reason is, is because God in his relation to Israel is the promise keeper. And he will watch over Israel and he will establish the nation of Israel to be a praise in the earth one day. And it's all because of the servant of Jehovah and the work that he did for her and not just for her, but for the entire world. Hallelujah. So in Isaiah chapter 52, let's read through this chapter. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall be no more coming to thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Israel is coming into a place in the future where all Israel shall be saved. But he's saying now, the the prophet Isaiah, he's speaking to Israel now. He's telling them, awake, awake. Many in Israel aren't looking for the Messiah, but he's coming. Praise God. Praise God for those that are looking for him. Hallelujah. The issue is this. Their Messiah came 2,000 years ago and they missed their time of visitation, but he's coming around again. God's got great plans for the nation of Israel. He has not cut her off forever. So all the promises that God has made to Israel, they're all approaching and they will come to pass. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Israel still has suffering to do, but in the end, her glory shall be revealed. Verse 2 says this, shake thyself from the dust, arise and sit down, O Jerusalem, loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Hallelujah. You know, for 2,000 years, Israel's been trodden down by the Gentile nations, but that time is coming to an end. Israel is going to be loosed from the bands of servitude uh, that had been forced upon her. Isaiah says this, verse three, for thus saith the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing and ye shall be redeemed without money. The redemptive price for the restoration of Israel was not the 30 pieces of silver. It was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the price God was willing to pay to redeem his people. Verse four says, for thus saith the Lord God, my people went down before into Egypt to sojourn there and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. They went down to Egypt and they were turned into slaves. Assyria came and put them into hard bondage. Babylonia, Rome, Greece, the Medes and the Persians, all of these great empires that lie now in the dust. They all put their hand and stretched out their hand against Israel and God over time recompensed them for what they did. Verse five says, now, therefore, what I what have I here, says the Lord, that my people is taken away for nothing. They that rule over them, make them to howl, says the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. Let me tell you something. If you use the name of Jesus Christ in a mocking way or as a profanity, you're you're standing in, in, in judgment before Almighty God. You better clean up your mouth. You better clean up your tongue. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he that does speak. Behold, it is I. There's coming a day when all Israel will know who their Savior is. Israel missed their time of visitation. But that doesn't mean that God cast them away forever. He's coming around again, folks. Hallelujah. And when he does come, they'll look upon him in whom they pierced. And they'll mourn for him as one who mourns for their only son. And they will behold him. They'll stand in awe of him. Oh, what a glorious day. See, it's God's mercy that will redeem Israel. And she will know the Lord. And she will know God's servant, the servant of Jehovah. Hallelujah. Now, verses 7 through 9, beautiful, beautiful passages of Scripture. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings. That publishes peace, that brings good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that says unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. The watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings or shall bring again Zion. The Lord is bringing Zion again, praise God. Break forth in the joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Jerusalem suffers, even suffers today. They'll suffer more at the end of the tribulation period. One third, only one third of Jerusalem is going to survive the onslaught of the Antichrist. But just in the nick of time, Jesus Christ will return. He'll set his feet upon the Mount of Olives And it is then that Israel will be saved and they'll behold him. Yes, and I know that now that the sorrows of Israel, they're enduring through the night. Oh, but Israel know this, that joy is coming in the morning at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that moment, their songs, their dirges, their songs of mourning and their dirges will be turned, break forth into joy and rejoicing. Verse 10 says, the Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. There's coming a time where God's going to roll up his sleeves. Oh, friends, I'm telling you, there is coming a great day. There's coming an awful day. There's coming an awesome day. That day is coming and it is approaching. Depart ye, depart ye. "'Go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing. "'Go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean "'that bear the vessels of the Lord.'" There's coming a great cleansing to the house of Israel. There's coming a great cleansing to the house of God, the church, hallelujah. Verse 12 says, "'For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, "'for the Lord shall go before you, "'and the God of Israel will be your protection from behind.'" Notice verse 11 speaks of cleansing, and then verse 12 speaks of God Himself personally moving upon the nation of Israel and protecting her and keeping her by His side. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. There's coming a day where Jesus now is poo-pooed. I I remember reading one article, you know, of all the famous, most important men in the history. Jesus was not first. He wasn't second. He wasn't 10th. He wasn't 50th. He was listed in the hundreds. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day where every eye shall behold him. He will be held. He will be exalted. He will be extolled. And those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord will be right by his side. Yes, the servant of Jehovah will be exalted in that day. Now, here's the introduction to the suffering servant. Verse 14. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man. And his form more than the sons of men. Let me tell you, when Jesus was hanging on that cross, there's many people that had to look away. Oh, I'm telling you that that which he suffered for us, it was upon the cross between noon and three p.m. The Lord Jesus Christ was made to be sin at that very moment. He who knew no sin so that you and me, the nation of Israel, might be made the righteousness of God in him. And because of him, all Israel shall be saved. Verse 15 says, so he sprinkled many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see and that which they had not heard shall they consider. See, right now, God, Satan has blinded the minds of those that do not believe. They don't know the truth about Jesus. They don't know the truth about God's hand upon the nation of Israel. If they did, they'd pull their hand back. They wouldn't stretch it out even more. The kings of the earth, they don't understand and they've never heard uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, And if they have heard it, they've discounted it. Many of our own leadership in this nation, they don't pay any attention to uh, the things of God and the things in the Bible and, and of holiness and of righteousness and truth. They've all gone their own way. Oh, but there's coming a time when that veil will be lifted and Satan will be incarcerated, and people will know at that time. They shall see at that time. Hallelujah. Praise God. And the mouths that they would utter curses at him, their mouths will be shut, and they will stand at all at the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Israel will come to understand the piercing of his hands and his feet. They'll mourn for him. They'll get down on their on their face before God for repentance. Oh, there is a great repentance coming to the nation of Israel. And that causes us to rejoice. So this is Isaiah's picture of the son of man, the suffering servant. Well, we're not done yet. Isaiah chapter 53. Verse one says this: who hath believed our report. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, we know that who believes our report. Isaiah is saying, who believes my report? I report, report of of the prophets, report of all those who have spoken of this great man, this suffering servant up to this point. Those are the ones to whom the arm of the Lord is revealed. Hallelujah. Those are the ones whose eyes are opened, that they're able to see and know the truth for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness, And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Isaiah said that he had no form of comeliness. And that when men looked upon him, there was no beauty to desire him. He wasn't like Solomon. He wasn't like David. He looked like you and me. But there was something within him that caused him to stand out above all others. He was the son of God. Israel now is a defeated and impoverished nation. We're talking about spiritually. But a nation of great promise. And it was at that time, Israel under the boot of Rome, impoverished by high taxes. It was at that moment that Israel being a root out of dry ground. Hallelujah. That God brought forth Jesus, the son of God. Hallelujah. At just the right time. The Bible says it's the fullness of time. God brought forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Praise God. Verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. It was Jesus that bore our griefs or our sicknesses. It was him that bore our sorrows and our pains. It was him that suffered for us so that we would not have to suffer eternity in the region of the damned. It was he himself that bore our sin and bore the curse of it. Those at the cross where Jesus were suffering, they saw him stricken of God. And those that put him there through treachery and through deceit, oh, they thought the wrath of God was poured upon him because he was a blasphemer. And they had no idea that Jesus was on the cross paying the penalty for their sin, their lies, their deceit. And they mocked him without realizing that he was taking their place, paying the penalty for their sin and their rebellion. And Isaiah says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Jesus was literally pierced through because of our sin and transgression. Not just his body, but his heart. The, The pain, the suffering that Jesus endured upon the cross was complete. It was total. So when Jesus raised up for the last time and said, it is finished. That's exactly what it meant. Everything. Jesus gave everything on the cross. There was nothing left. And it was because of a substitutionary sacrifice. That wound was unto death. And the chastisement that Jesus suffered on the cross was for our coming to peace. Think all those that were mocking him around the cross, all those that were spitting upon him and cursing him. The chastisement Jesus suffered was not just for those that loved him, but it was for those that also hated him. Jesus suffered on the cross so that we could come to peace with God if we would only ask him to forgive us of our sins. And Paul said it this way, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have literally come to peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah goes on and he says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. David calls Israel the sheep of his pasture. And yet they all turned away from him. They rejected him. And because of Jesus on the cross, being the substitutionary sacrifice on the cross, all the sins of Israel and literally of the whole world were laid upon him. Hallelujah. Isaiah says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And all the pain and agony that Jesus suffered on the cross, never once did he complain. Never once did he open up his mouth to revile those who were crucifying him. He was silent in suffering and in fulfilling the purpose of redemption. That's a great lesson for us today. When we suffer, what do we want to do? We want to revile. But Jesus did not. That's the one we are to follow. That's the example that we are to follow. Verse eight says, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? <clears throat> For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Isaiah so accurately portrays Jesus being imprisoned and being snatched from prison and suffering the just for the unjust. The gospels reveal to us the trial and the punishment, the, scor- the scourging, the torture, the mockery of Jesus. All of this Isaiah saw 700 years before it took ha- before it happened. Yes, Jesus was cut off by death, but it was because of our transgressions, not his. Verse nine says, and he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. You know, other translations say that he was assigned a grave with the wicked. It was the enemies of the Lord that fully intended to leave his body there by the cross and for the ravens to come and pick the flesh off his bones and to take that which is left and throw it into a, 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 a grave for criminals. To continue it, to to once and for all to wipe the memory of Jesus from the minds of the Jewish people. But Joseph got there before they did. And I'm thinking Joseph was raised up for that one singular Event that he did. He went and begged the body of Jesus and he did it before uh, Pontius Pilate realized that Jesus was already dead. The Jews thought he'd be on the cross for hours and hours and hours. Jesus suffering was total, was complete, but it was also very short. So, yes, Jesus was laid in the grave of a rich man, and his name was Joseph of Arimathea. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When you, talking about the heavenly father, talking about Jehovah, it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. It pleased him to put the suffering servant to grief. It pleased him to make his soul an offering for sin. Notice that it says his soul, not just his body, his soul an offering for sin. For what purpose? So that he shall see his seed. Who's the seed that we're talking about here? It's you and me. It's the redeemed house of Israel. It's every born again child of God that's alive and walking on the face of this earth from time immemorial to today. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. There's an eternity coming, folks. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, we know that there is eternity coming. And it's an eternity spent with the Father and with the Son. And the glory that is to be revealed. But those that don't know Christ as Savior, they also have an eternity. But it's a different one. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. God completed the plan of redemption through this suffering servant. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Think about that. Therefore, will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he has poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressions, transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The suffering of the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, paid, satisfied the debt that we owe to him. It was a debt that you and I couldn't pay. But it was paid by him who didn't know it. And where is he at today? He's at the right hand of the throne of God. And he's ever living to intercede for us, for transgressors, for you and for me. He is at the right hand of the throne of God right now. Praise God. And I hope that we understand that it pleased Jehovah to bruise him because the plan of redemption could not have been done if it was not for what our suffering servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, did on the cross. As a matter of fact, the, the entire human race is now centered around the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. And his body that was given for man's acquittal. He shall see his seed. All the redeemed of the Lord. All of them. Hallelujah. He saw all of them. He died for what? For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. What joy are we talking about? The joy of you and me at the foot of the cross and surrender. And those hands that we those fists that we would raise to curse him have now been opened up and surrendered to him. And now these hands that once cursed him now praise him. Hallelujah. Oh, what a great day. No wonder scripture says that angels rejoice over one man that repents over the ninety nine that need no repentance. It was the pleasure of the Lord that prospered in his hand that the plan of redemption completed and the future of the glory of the human race assured. Hallelujah. What a great day. It was a dark day. It was a dark day. But on Sunday morning, hallelujah, that all changed. All the darkness turned to light. Oh, praise God. We give thanks and praise to our glorious Savior, The servant of Jehovah, the one who gave himself for us, the one who paid our debt. We give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory, Lord Jesus. We worship you when we praise your holy name and we say, we say with our mouth, you are our savior. You are our Lord. Hallelujah. And we'll serve you to the end of our days throughout eternity. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly